This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. This is Greg Olson here to tell you about my new podcast, TE1. On the show, I had a chance to talk to my fellow tight ends who have revolutionized the position from an extra lineman to a dual threat superstar. And just like my guests have changed the game, this year, NFLSundayTicket.tv is revolutionizing your NFL viewing experience. Stream all the live out-of-market NFL games every Sunday on your favorite devices and never miss a moment from your favorite players. Visit NFLSundayTicket.tv and use the promo code GREG88 at checkout and get 15% off your subscription. That's NFLSundayTicket.tv and the promo code GREG88. Subscribe to TE1 and get NFLSundayTicket.tv an unmatched dual threat. Blue wire. Think about Lawrence. Fires to the end zone. Touchdown! Alabama wins! Elliott. Dodge the eye of this national championship win. A deep throw by Lawrence. A lot of contact. Justin Ross broke free from it. He's down in the end zone. Touchdown, Clemson. Welcome into episode 93 of Press Pass. I'm Kayla Anderson alongside my co-host Joshua Perry in this podcast brought to you by Bet Online. Well, before we get into what should be a interesting conversation, Joshua, I will have to ask, how's everything going? How is the weekend? It is actually storming here in Nashville, Tennessee. So there's nothing to do right now. Um, so this is perfect to record a podcast because it's storming. This is out. perfect. Right? No, um, yeah. It's been it's been a unique week. There's been a lot going on in the world. I'm not gonna necessarily get into it. I would just um I would advise people to be kind and be understanding of one another, different perspectives, viewpoints, but also like uh, you know, Chadwick Bozeman passing away and yeah. nobody really knowing about his ailment and him dealing with cancer. Yep. Um, you never actually know what somebody's dealing with in their personal life. Um, and so if it's just that aspect alone of, hey, somebody might have a really crazy hectic life going on that we don't know about, I think that's a reason to be respectful. Um, but outside of that, I actually did a first on Friday. I uh, did color commentary for the first time covering Ooh. a high school football game on radio, mind you. So a nice. very, very unique experience. And Kayla, you know how this goes when you're, when you're doing color commentary, you have to be able to break down the game of football, but specifically when you're on the radio, you have to paint that picture because yes. people typically can't see what's going on. Correct. So I said one time, because I'm a TV guy, I said at the bottom of your screen, as if people were looking at a screen. <laughs> so I felt like a dodo right there, but um, I actually got feedback from the play-by-play who was working with me, has a friend 
who was blind and we got really, really good feedback from wow. a blind man on our, our job doing that game. So that made me feel pretty good about my first time out. That's excellent. And congratulations on that. I, I think it's always fun to, you know, add to your skills list in this business. So that's really cool that you're able to do that. And it sounds like you had some fun doing it as well. Um, I also was going to tell you right before I hopped onto this podcast, this will make you smile. Uh, I was watching the SEC network with Paul Feinbaum. He has this show and he was interviewing Luke Fickle. And I listened to the interview, of course, and found it very, very uh, encouraging. And just he gave some unique perspectives on things and getting ready for this season. And then afterwards, Paul Feinbaum was just raving about Luke Fickle. And then there were like two other callers that called in immediately after and were also raving about Luke Fickle and how refreshing his interview was. And it just made me think back to uh, last week when you were talking about Luke Fickle and giving him a shout out. And, you know, Paul Feinbaum, of course, is like he's one of the hottest coaches out there right now but he's clearly, you know, doing his thing at Cincinnati. So I thought that was cool. No, definitely. I mean, Luke's a, he's a, he's a star already, but he's a rising star to folks who don't know about him. Um, And I, I think part of it is Luke is very self-aware and he understands exactly what he needs to do to be successful. Um, The other part of it though, and this cannot be undersold is he is one of the most genuine people that I know in or out of sports. And when you get into the sports world, you find out that a lot of people aren't necessarily genuine and mm-hmm. that's going to take him as far as any of his attributes of being a fantastic coach is just the type of person that he is. So it's always great to heap some accolades and some love onto my guy. Cause he's one of the best around. Absolutely. Well, let's dive into it. We get things started with the latest news out of the big 10, because there has been quite a bit of news this past week. So president Donald Trump, decides to put his foot and everything else into this uh, situation. And he is uh, has a call with Kevin Warren, the Big Ten commissioner. And supposedly he's you know pushing for them to play the season and to play as soon as possible. So you hear President Trump and what he has put all over his social media. Oh, I think it went well blah, blah, blah. And then you're also then hearing from the people within the conference that are still saying there has been no decisions made. And, you know, you can't just go off of what Trump is saying. We've clearly seen in the past that not everything, (laughs) not everything is necessarily true. So what are your thoughts on this entire situation? I think you kind of just summed it up is you can't go off of what Trump is saying. You know, he's he's making this push and I think it's unique to acknowledge a couple of things is number one is that there are a lot of people in the Midwest that are pretty fired up about the Big Ten's decision to not play football. And so uh, Trump interjecting is big momentum to apply pressure. But I also think we need to understand the the motives that exist here as well. He hasn't called into the Pac-12 and that's been confirmed because he knows that he's not winning any battles out West and people out West are um, not all people, but generally their understanding of the decision, whether they like it or not, like California, my older brother lives in Long Beach, you know, they can't get back to work. Like they're, they're still working through some things a lot slower than we are here in the Midwest. And like you, Kayla in the South. So that's 
something that needs to be acknowledged about what's going on here. And then um, how that how that might ignite his base here in the Midwest and some of the swing states, Ohio, Michigan, Pennsylvania, Wisconsin, specifically that he'll try to target here for November. Um, but the reality of the situation is the Big Ten put out a release and it said a White House representative reached out to the Big Ten Conference Commissioner Kevin Warren on Monday, August 31st, 2020, to facilitate a phone call between President Donald J. Trump and Commissioner Warren. On Tuesday, September 1st, 2020, Commissioner Warren and the president had a productive conversation. Then the next paragraph states, the Big Ten Conference and its Return to Competition Task Force on behalf of the Big Ten Council of Presidents and Chancellors are exhausting every resource to help student-athletes get back to playing the sport uh, sports they love at the appropriate time in the safest and healthiest way possible. So here we are, um, exhausting every resource. So Trump offered, apparently, now I can't confirm one way or the other, some of the rapid testing that's been developed. Mm -hmm. And so that would be a big-time resource if the Big Ten was looking to play sooner rather than later. The other thing that we need to be mindful of here is they said appropriate time. So I think with the knowledge now that it was an 11 to three vote that canceled football this fall, it's still probably not an appropriate time. And then they said safest and healthiest way possible. And when you look at the increasing number of cases of coronavirus on these campuses, I would say that right now is probably neither the safest nor the healthiest. And we can debate that all day long. To further that point, you have folks like Thamel, Mandel, and Nicole Auerbach, who Nicole is a friend of mine, who have essentially a main line to the Big Ten commissioner and some of these university presidents that within 30 minutes of the news of this phone call said that the timeline is still late November, but probably January before we resume football in the Big Ten. And then people start to get pissed off and everything else because they're listening to this guy named Sir Yacht and Jeff Snook, who you know about from Columbus, and some of these other people who are apparently insiders that are always breaking the wrong news. Yeah, exactly. Rather than folks that have legitimate sources. And then to compound that, Nebraska's AD, who has been one of the biggest Kevin Warren detractors thus far, has talked about everything, has spilled details, has talked about wanting to play football, had given information that nobody had previously known out to the media said, and he's a part of this return to play committee. He said Mm -hmm. that October is out of the question for Mm -hmm. a big 10 return in football. So they had this conversation. I'm, you know, make of it what you want with the president and Kevin Warren, but I still think nothing has changed and people are probably going to be pissed hearing me say it. But if I have to use my reasoning skills to make a judgment here, that's the judgment. Yeah, no, I don't think you're Uh, off one bit on that I just would appreciate if politics didn't have to do anything with this situation of course it does of course it does I'll I'll say I'll say you know it's it's difficult for me to say that I wish politics wouldn't be in this situation because I am a firm believer that sports and politics are very intersectional so you know when when athletes are trying to make political statements and telling people to vote and, and, you know, crapping on whoever political, you know, figure they want to crap on and supporting another one and, and, and doing these social activism movements um, and folks say stick to sports. I hate that. So on the flip side of it, if, if the president wants to put his nose into sports, who am I to say that he shouldn't do it? Yeah. And so 
I, I guess that's the other thing too. It's just is weird like, when it's, you're talking it's, about college yes. athletics. I mean, and that's that. the deal is we can acknowledge how strange this is. And even to the point where you and I can both probably think of a bunch of other places, these rapid tests should be going outside of athletic departments for college sports. But if that's his prerogative, like it is right. what it is. He's trying to energize his base out here in the Midwest. Going back a little bit, just to refresh people's memory, because you guys are probably wondering if you hadn't followed the news last week, what are you talking about? The Big Ten considering now playing in November or January, playing at all. Well, there was that news this last week that came out after we recorded our podcast shortly after that, I think a day or so, that um, this was all now being talked about again, that they were going to possibly start to play. So there were the options that they were talking about, the earliest option was beginning that Thanksgiving weekend, obviously in November. And then the other option was playing a handful or a little bit more than a handful of games in January. So my question to you now, Joshua, where did, because I, I had read the article and everything, where did this come from? Was this out of all the stuff that has happened with you know, the um, Justin Field stuff and the parents? Is this just stuff that had kind of come out that they were reconsidering them playing? I, I don't have a single damn clue, honestly, where okay. the timing came from. Um, yeah, it was just kind of out of, not out of left field because all this had yeah. been happening, but for them to just like even contemplate playing again. And and so it's like, you know this, coaches have been talking about a sooner rather than later type of mentality for them. And they don't like the idea of playing two seasons in 2021. So I yeah. think that's where part of it came from. But okay. also like when you, you know, when you're looking at, the feeds of some of the insiders that have had the most accurate breaking news during this coronavirus college football craziness, they're all saying that January is, is the most likely bet right now. So I think it was something that's tossed out. It's an option. They're trying to explore whether it makes sense and how they could pull it off. But if we, if we had to make a decision today, if you're the Big Ten Conference, I think it's sounding like January is still the most likely course of action. So what happens if they decide to play in January and the SEC, the ACC, the Big 12, these schools are all playing, you know, from the end of September to the beginning of Jan whatever January, that timeline or whatever. So what so does the does the Big 10 just play their own conference and they're not involved in the championship this year? I'm I I'm just so confused on like what even the, the championship means like why are we even having a championship this year yeah I think the whole thing is really confusing it's a great question that you ask but I think the situation becomes that the the Big Ten and the Pac-12 are probably having some back channel conversations about returning at the same time um, yeah. but the the Pac-12's timeline is still so funny right now because of how their um, the states over on the west coast are handling the coronavirus pandemic, there's no telling um, yeah. what what stage California is going to be in. They have a third of the Pac-12 conference. Um, right. So it seems like it would be at this point, the Big Ten kind of operating um, on its own in a vacuum. And then they host a Big Ten championship game and they crown a, mm -hmm. a conference champ in the, in the spring. And then I guess everybody tries to regroup for the fall. Yeah. I, I would say that the thing this year that 
I just think would be the most fair would be either you crown your conference champ and that's what you do. Or if the SEC and ACC want to battle for some sort of a one year championship between themselves, that's fine. But in no way do I believe there should be a college football playoff champion crowned. It just, it would not make sense to me. So that's just my opinion. If to, to go exactly off of what you're saying, I mean, if I am any team that finishes in the, the top five of any type of poll this year, I'm doing the UCF, I'm getting shirts and rings, I'm doing the whole there you go. deal. Right? You know, boom. <laughs> like we're going right. to share a title this year. <laughs> exactly, exactly. <laughs> You've counted on restaurants. Now they're counting on you. And while their dining rooms may be closed, they are still open for delivery with DoorDash. Now, DoorDash is the app that brings you the food you're craving right to your door. Ordering is easy. Open the DoorDash app, choose what you want to eat, and your food will actually be left outside your door with new contactless delivery drop-off settings. So choose your favorite national restaurants like Chipotle, Wendy's, the Cheesecake Factory. Many of your favorite local restaurants are still open for delivery too. So just open the DoorDash app Select your favorite local spot and the food is on the way. Right now, our listeners can get $5 off and zero delivery fees when they have their first order of $15 or more. Just download the DoorDash app, enter that code BLUEWIRE. Don't forget, that's BLUEWIRE for $5 off your first order with DoorDash. So more players have decided to opt out, but this time... We're talking about players from a very powerful program, the reigning national champs, that is, LSU. When I saw this name pop up on my feed this week, I had to look a couple times to make sure this was correct. Yep. Because wide receiver out of LSU, Jamar Chase, who is a very, who will be a very high draft pick, I would presume, has decided to opt out, Joshua. I'll just ask you from the start. Were you surprised when you heard a name like this? Yeah, and and I'll tell you why. It's it's not the 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 name cuz we've seen some star power exit college football this year. It is the fact that it's a name on a team that you could make a case could win their yep. conference and compete for yep. a title. And so what that tells me is that he doesn't think necessarily that they could compete for a title. Yeah. And maybe he's gone through training camp and figured out that the quarterback that's replacing Joe Burrow isn't exactly that guy. And sure. maybe he's not going to look as good because his quarterback's not as good. And if this is a year to to say, you know what, I'm the number one wide receiver on the draft boards right now. I am not going to put myself out there, look terrible, potentially risk injury, all those types of things. So I think this was even probably more of a you know, the situation just didn't fit his expectations over coronavirus concerns. But this is the type of name and the type of locker room that you feel like sets the tone into the future for guys who still have a year of eligibility left uh, before they can enter the draft, deciding that maybe they sit out a year um, and just train instead of putting themselves in a situation that's not the best in terms of their draft stock and their health. Yeah, and that there was also the tackle, um, Tyler Shelvin, who decided to opt out as well. So that brings the total players at LSU to four players. And I think you're right. I don't know if this has much to do with the COVID-19 concerns. While I'm sure that there's part of that, 
integrated in this. I do think that you have to sit down as a player um, right now of his caliber who, you know, is planning on entering the draft and probably going to be a high pick and just kind of teetering, you know, the what's the best option. And I'm sure it it's not easy for any of these guys. But maybe, like you were saying, maybe he just kind of saw everything that had to do with this season as, as kind of a wash in a way anyway. And why risk it if, if I'm going into the draft and I'm just going to use this time to better myself individually. And I know it sucks to like have to think that way. But this year is just so bizarre. I'm sure for all these individual players, it, it just you have to kind of leave it up to them and in a way just have to respect where they're coming from. Yeah, and that's kind of the situation. Like it's it's as bizarre of a, a season as we're probably gonna see in a little while. Hopefully as bizarre of a season as we'll see in a little while. Um and you're right, like you have to respect these players for making decisions. And it's it's everything that you mentioned. It's the health, it's the safety, it's the fact that you're the number one guy. The only way he can go down really from he, the only way he can go from here is down. Um, which probably influences the decision. And then the other thing that I always want to kind of throw in here too is if you're on a team and let's say he believes that he has the quarterback and the defense that they can compete for a championship, but if they're in a situation where he's seeing certain things in his athletic department on his team where players can't practice because the virus is spreading so rapidly that he thinks that there might be a shot that they either Mm -hmm. lose a game on something fluky like that, or they don't even make it to the end of the season because it shuts down, like cut your losses early. I think that that's the other point that you made. That's really good because you have to be realistic about the situation. Even if the sec begins play on September 26th, there is absolutely no guarantees that they are even going to get through three games. We just don't know. Right. I mean, they could get through three games. They could get through the whole season. They could get through one game. We just, the way that things happen on a week-to-week basis, it, you just don't know. So I think that when you weigh all the options here for him, this was definitely um, probably the best option for him. And I'm glad that from everything I've heard, Edo is very, you know, he's he's supporting his players mm-hmm. no matter what way they decide to go. So I think that, like you said, is very important. Well, Sundays are coming back in the NFL. Training camp has wrapped up and, uh, NFLSundayTicket.tv. You can actually stream every live out-of-market NFL game every afternoon on your favorite devices, plus Red Zone and DirecTV, Fantasy Zone channels. You will never miss your favorite teams or your favorite players. So no matter where you live, NFLSundayTicket.tv is your key to the most glorious Sundays ever. Use that promo code BLUEWIRE to check out to get that 15% off your subscription. Visit NFLSunday.tv and use the promo code BLUEWIRE. So we're, we did the guessing game last week, which I think we really enjoyed. Putting Joshua Perry on the spot because he played, right? So he, he kind of knows the positions and he knows the coaches. He works with a lot of those guys in the Big Ten. So I decided we're going we're gonna to put you up to the test again today. So the SI came out with an article this past week And it had to do with coaches on the hot seat. Well, we've talked about this before. I know we've had this conversation before the season even was about to start. I'm going to ask of you the top five. SI listed 
more than that, but I'm going with the top five. So you can start from five up, like go five to one or one to five. What do you want to do? Uh, okay, we'll go, we'll go five to one. Okay, you ready? No, this is going to be tough. <laughs> All right. Don't put, this is what I'm going to say. Don't put like too much thought in. Like, I think some of them are obvious. Others, not so much. But let's see how you do. Let, okay, start us off with five. Okay, so I'll, this is how I'll do it. I'll just, I'll give you five names. Okay. And you tell me if these coaches are on there at all. Okay. Okay, so Chip Kelly. No. Okay. Um, Tom Herman. Yes. Okay. Um, Scott Frost. No. Dang. Um, okay, Must Champ. Yes. Okay. Um, I mean, if you don't get one of these after all the discussions we have, I know this I, is going to be a shame. I'm just, I'm going to lose it. <laughs> okay, so your boy Gundy is going to be on there, and we've okay, well, we he's talked on about there. him. He's on there. Um, and then, oh, I'm struggling right now. Jimbo Fisher. He's he's out of the top five. Ah, oh, all right, I'm okay. stuck. Okay. Let's roll. Let's go with number five. Number five on the coaches hot list is your man, former guy from Ohio State, Tom Herman, now at Texas. Texas he is, uh, has a 25-15 and 15 record in three seasons, 7-11 in the Big 12, annual salary $6.75 and in my opinion, has not put Texas back on the map. Well, I tend to agree with that. Texas Tom <laughs> ain't been... Shooting, you know what I'm saying? Well, he did switch up his coaching staff, so we'll see how that works, right? Yeah, he's got Chris Ash, my guy, uh, coordinating right. the defense over there now. So okay, well, we'll see. We'll see what happens there. But as of right now, SI has them him as number five on the hot seat. Number four, the guy that we've talked a lot about, and not in a good way for the last four months, Mike Gundy. You know him for his mullet. <laughs> You know him for his speech when he was 40. Mike Gundy out of Oklahoma State, number four on the coaching hot seat, uh, record at Oklahoma State, 129-64 in 15 seasons, 77-52 and 52 in the Big 12. Annual sal- salary, $4.25 million. The big thing with him is he, I don't necessarily think it's the winning side of things that this is why he's on the hot seat. I think it's the other side of things, the side of things where he's not supported his players. He's gone and said stuff and then come back and you could see that he was clearly lying about it. Am I right with this? It's just, yeah, his he's, mouth he's, and... yeah a dumbass essentially. Um, right. Like just mishandled his program in terms of like his players and everything else in a really strange way. Um, didn't they take some of his money back too? Yeah, hmm. they did. Yeah, you're yeah, absolutely on his way right. out. He's on his way out. <laughs> he has burned some bridges. Let's just say that. Okay, this is one that I knew you weren't going to get, and the only reason I would have said I might have put this person on there is because I covered this person right here in Nashville, Tennessee, and that is Derek Mason at Vanderbilt. <sighs> I am a big fan of Derek Mason. I like him as a person, as a coach. I do think his players like him. But the reality of the situation, and this is the other thing, it stinks that he 
coaches at Vanderbilt because Vanderbilt just doesn't care about football. Okay. I'm going to be like real about that. They just don't put in the money. It's not, it's, they're an SEC school, but yet they're not even, even close to being where any of these other programs are in terms of filling the stadiums. I mean, that stadium's bare almost every single Saturday, Joshua. So I, I just, I feel bad, but he's 27 and 47 in six seasons at Vanderbilt. He's 10 and 38 in the SEC. And while at times it's looked like they've been doing good things, it's almost like they just go backwards. That sucks. And doesn't that suck? Yeah. yeah. And I like Derek Mason too. I do too. I think he's a great guy. He's very active in the community. He He's great with the media, but it's just, he can't win here. And there he can't get players i i know the quarterback situation has been dismal yeah. um ever since Shermer left so like who takes that job though like if i'm a coach and i'm trying to move yeah. up the ranks like i would take a group of 5 job before i would take vanderbilt all day every day and twice on yeah. a saturday no i know i mean if you're going to vanderbilt to coach baseball it's a dream you're right right, right. i mean that's an absolute dream but football it's just a whole different story. And I think a lot of people say, well, James Franklin was able to have success there. Well, look, I will give James Franklin a lot of credit. I think he's a good coach. Whether you like him or you don't like him, he he is a good coach. But he stayed here for a short amount of time because he did just what he needed to do to move on. And, it, you know, Derek Mason, is is he's a different type of coach. Um, he just hasn't had as much luck here. And he's also had some issues with the whole athletic director situation. Uh, the former athletic director, um, he stepped down and, and passed away, which is extremely sad. And then they had another guy come in recently, and he's, he only spent a year there and was out the door. And now Candace Story Lee, who I have much respect for, she's the first black um african-american uh sid or excuse me athletic director in the sec she's Mm. tremendous but i just don't know how much she can do in terms of you know putting football higher up on the list of importance there because it's vanderbilt all they care about is their is their academics yeah well that's what i was just getting ready to say she needs to probably go and and make a a strong case to the chancellor or president of that university that they might need to lower the ACT and GPA requirements for some of their student athletes. So they can go after some guys. Yeah. I mean, they're in the sec. You have to kind of (laughs) decide what you're doing. I don't mean to be rude about that. Sorry. I I get it though. You know, I, I don't like, are they the only ones that are getting the short end of the stick here because they have such high standards and it's not really fair. Yeah, so that's what I was getting ready to say. Like everybody else, even there, because I, I I know how people are going to say it. There are some very good academic schools in that conference, but mm-hmm. everybody makes those concessions to get great athletes. Yes, yes. Except for Vanderbilt. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So I I wish him the best. I don't know what's going to happen, especially this year. Who knows with the schedule and they've got some tough opponents and nothing's going to be normal, but. Derek Mason is on that list at number three. Okay, so you guessed the number two. It is Will Muschamp at South Carolina. This is a very interesting. This is a very interesting situation. Will Muschamp. I covered Will Muschamp back in the day when he was on Tommy Tuberville's staff. He was the defensive quarter 
coordinator at Auburn. Phenomenal guy to watch coach defense. Fiery, had a great defense when they were there. Um, just, just a hoot to watch. I love coaches that are like that, that just really get into it. And then he kind of has, has made his rounds around the SEC and not necessarily had the best success as a head coach. So he's at South Carolina now. His record there, 26 and 25 in four seasons. He's 15 and 17 in the SEC. They definitely expected more out of Will Muschamp at this point. Um, his salary, 4.4 million. Are, are you, you're not surprised by this because you had him on his on the list. I mean, do you even think this guy is a head coach or just maybe a head coach out of the SEC? It doesn't seem like he can hang with the yeah. big boy. He, it's um. What I'm going to try to say, like, he is forgettable. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like, he's he's a little bit in over his head, I think. And, and I feel like South Carolina as a program also doesn't feel like a true SEC team, if that makes sense. Yeah, I get it. So, like, they're they're always going to have their challenges. They, they have a definite ceiling in that league. And then you bring in a guy who I, I feel like is a – a good coach, but maybe not necessarily a competent head coach Yeah, to, to try to have some success. I feel like it's not necessarily the place you want to be to do that. Yeah. I think some coaches maybe just can't cut it at, at that level as a head coach, maybe in a different conference with a different team perhaps, or just it, maybe the head coaching thing is just not for you and you have to have your concentration more at, you know, as a defensive guy or whatever an offensive so, coordinator, whatever it that, might be. That transition into head coaching is difficult. Like, I, I mean, we've yeah. watched, I've watched great coordinators from when I played at Ohio state that tried to make the jump yeah. um, into becoming head coaches. And some of them have had a ton of success and other ones are, you know, Chris Ash, for example, love the guy to death. I, I think he's a fantastic yeah. coach. He, he took the wrong job in my yeah. estimation. Um, and then he, there were just so many challenges from there. Now he's back coordinating. Yeah because he's he's trying to he's trying to really figure himself out again and, and trying to get back into that place so maybe he can take the jump at a better opportunity. So, you know, some guys you, you kind of have to take that step down and take a step forward, but Muschamp is definitely a guy in my mind who's in over his in over his head. Yeah, I would agree with you, Joshua. Okay, coming in at number 1, and this is why I'm so angry with you right now. I'm just I'm, I'm if you could see my face getting red. You want to know who it is? Tell me. Clay Helton. Oh, Clay Helton. Mr. Clay Helton of the USC Trojans, who I absolutely probably have, I have no friends left in Southern California. Not like I had a lot any, anyway, (laughs) because they're all fake over there. Just joking. (laughs) Uh, Uh, Sorry. You're just hearing my true opinion. I don't give it much. Now we got you doing the hot takes all of a sudden. I know, right? Uh, Mr. Clay Helton, though, you can't, you cannot argue with this one. I mean, this guy, I feel bad that he even took this job because it has been, it's been just awful. And they've won some games. It's not like they've lost every game or anything like that. Um, they went, let's see, Helton went five and seven in 2018. Let's see. Eight and five in 2019, and now they're not going to play this season. So I, I mean, they might play, but it's not going to be 
until springtime. So, so I don't even know. I mean, he's, can you get fired if you don't actually play? I think you can. I think so honestly, too. I, think I really it's a do. Great time for you, <laughs> for USC to be like, all right, buddy, we're giving you some extra time to pack your bags. No, if I were them, if I were USC, I think it would be perfect to say, you know, after. Um, taking this time off during the coronavirus pandemic and our postponement of, of football in the fall, uh, we were able to evaluate, thoroughly evaluate our personnel within the athletic department. And after further review, uh, we believe that Clay Helton is a terrible ass coach and we should have never hired him in the first goddamn place. And uh, <laughs> we're putting his ass out on the street and he can go find a job somewhere else. There you go. See, I mean, I think that this is the time to do it, USC. And if you do it, I'll tell you this much: If you do it, you're gonna be, you're gonna be climbing like the ladder in terms of what I think about you, and that's that's saying a lot. That is saying a lot. All right, so let's so. let's let's go through this real quick. So we had Pete Carroll, and he did a, a hell of a job there. Only lost 18 games. Had some some yep. uh, vacated wins there, yeah, and lost vacated as well. So technically 19 losses. Um, and then you follow that up with Lane Kiffin, who was too young and too fly for the job. Sure. Yep. Yes. And then Ed Orgeron. Oh, Eddie O. I forgot about interim that. Interim. In he 13. Yep. Went six and two and thought he was in line to get yep. that job and didn't. And then they had Clay Helton in there yep. for a game, I think. And then Steve Sarkeesian, for yep. folks who don't remember Sark. Was the guy he had who was of his own. yes in the locker room at booster events, um, drinking probably a little bit too much, and has yep. since gone to the island of the misfit coaches with Nick Saban and revitalized his career to the point where he's getting overpaid now. <laughs> and so all of that to say, Carol left and the whole thing went to hell. So yeah, Clay Helton's next in line for coaches that got ran over by USC. Isn't that crazy though to think? It it really has been a downward spiral for one of the most traditional powerhouses in college football. Mm-hmm. And, and that is all from the, and I've watched it with my own eyes because I went to school when they were at the top of the top with Reggie Bush and Matt Leinart and all those guys. I mean, that's when I went to college. That's when they played Washington State and waxed us. Okay. Wow. So I've seen it go down, 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 down. And it, yeah. I mean, it really has. And that's, it's, it's surprising that they've let it get to this point, I guess. Yeah. That's yeah. what I'm so surprised about. So uh, let me, let me play this little follow-up game real quick. Um, let me okay. pull something up here and we'll get to this game. It's really interesting. So I just went through the coaches that coached after Pete Carroll. Pete Carroll's obviously doing his thing. So yeah. um, we'll get Lane Kiffin here. Lane Kiffin, now a head coach, making a ton of money. Yeah. Right? So it seems like he's recovered. But he'd had uh, to go at, backwards for a while. He had yes, to go he to did. Yes, he did. But he did his thing there, and now he's about yep. to do his thing again. Ed yep. Orgeron, obviously, national title. Steve Sarkeesian, Alabama offensive coordinator. That job is worth $2.5 million a year. So Jeez. Clay Helton could feasibly get fired from this job <laughs> and end up being a quality coordinator somewhere. What a point. Making a million bucks a year. Look at that. Point made. Or you know what? He could become 
uh, you know, he could become a Lane Kiffin or an Ed O. You never know. You yeah, never know. You never know. You it, never USC know. Just, it seems to have some some awful like spell it puts over these coaches, except yeah, for you know, everybody after Pete. It's SoCal. SoCal it, gets you. It does. It definitely does. Don't let me trans like go off on my opinion again. You don't want to hear it. Okay. <laughs> well, hey, that that is a wrap on this episode of Press Pass. It was another fun one, I will have to say. So if you do not subscribe, friends, uh, we do appreciate everybody who does. If you don't though, go ahead and subscribe on Apple Podcasts. Just you can hit that subscribe button, give us a rate and review. You can follow Joshua Perry at what Twitter handle, my friend? At RIP underscore JEP, Twitter and Instagram. Yes, he is very active on that. So you can always strike up a conversation. You can follow me at Kayla Anderson TV on both Instagram and on Twitter. And I don't know, maybe we'll get some some new news coming out this next week. It was actually <laughs> maybe <laughs> right, maybe every week or something. It's exciting though because I love how we had something new to talk about at the, the top of this this podcast today. Um, I know it, it kind of set the tone too. It the does, but at the same time, I just feel like as soon as we put the podcast out, it's like there's, there's something else. There's something else. Yeah. So that's up. why we kind of discuss it more so that, yes. you know, the, the people out there get a, a both sides of you know, our opinion, too, on not just what happened, but it's not like we're breaking news to you guys. We're just having an in-depth conversation. So I think probably it. some of the best conversation you'll find anywhere. I, I think so, too. I would say so. Well, I appreciate it, my friend. And all of you out there, thank you for listening. We'll be back here next week with some new stuff. Enjoy your week, guys. Did somebody say playoffs? Well, that's what's happening right now. NBA and NHL are playing for the gold, and our partners at BetOnline have you covered. Get in on all the action, including a new NBA bracket contest with plenty of chances to win. MLB season is pushing into the fall and there's no shortage of ways to bet on hundreds of odds, futures, and props. So take advantage of the return of sports, and remember, the casino is never closed. Check it out all day, all night. Go to betonline.ag. Use that promo code BLUEWIRE to receive your welcome bonus. That is betonline.ag, promo code BLUEWIRE. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts.